Blog Talk Radio. If you were hoping to be able to connect with Parkinson's recovery and Robert Rogers, you are at the right place. It's Thursday, 11 a.m. Pacific Time, and today I have the most amazing program for you. The program's going to last about an hour and 15 minutes, and the reality is I've been working on this show now for the past three months. Some of you may recall that I have put out a request to receive your questions about medications and supplements, and I've been gathering those questions together and sending back emails that said, I'm working on it, I'm working on it, I'm working on finding a resident expert who will be able to answer your questions. I finally commandeered Randy Menser, who is a compounding pharmacist and a nutritional counselor, a man who knows just about everything there is to know about supplements, medications, and how the body actually functions at the most basic level. And I was able to actually ask these questions with Randy over a four extended hour period of time. So if you've asked a question, you're going to be able to hear sometime during this particular broadcast my asking Randy the question and his specific answers. Here we go. Randy Mincer from Olympia, Washington. I am Robert Rogers from Parkinson's Recovery, and I am in the offices of Randy Mincer, who is a compounding pharmacist and a nutritional counselor. I have a question from an individual who wants to get off prescription sleeping pills, has tried for actually two or three years now and has had no luck. The sleeping prescription medication that this individual currently takes is temazepam. What recommendations would you have for them? In some individuals who are taking these types of medications, this is a very serious problem. This is a controlled substance. And we can look at other controlled substance and other uh, psychotropic drugs. And we can read the literature and basically it says that these are not addictive. They are not habit-forming. But tell that to somebody who's trying to get off of them. It is very, very difficult for some of these people to come off these medications. As a compounding pharmacist, what we've done and what we do and what we can do is to bring these patients off their medications in a very slow fashion over a long period of time. This particular medication is available in 30 milligrams and 15 milligrams. And if this person, for as, as an example, if this person wants to uh, come off their medications, they should wean off slowly going from 30 milligrams down to 15 milligrams down to zero milligrams over a period of time. And how do you go from 30 milligrams down to 15 milligrams? That's cutting it in half. We have many people who try that, and then they have the side effects of not having enough of this medication. And the side effects can be pretty horrible, so we want to do this very, very gradually. What we've done in the past is go from 30 milligrams to 25 milligrams to 20 milligrams to 15 milligrams and so on down to zero. And let's say, for example, we have somebody who's taking 30 milligrams 
and they'd like to come off of it, we drop it down to 25 milligrams. We leave it at 25 milligrams for a month, and then we'll drop it down to 20 milligrams for a month, and then uh, down to 15 milligrams for a month. But let's say we get it down to 15 milligrams, and they start experiencing some side effects of of coming off this too soon. As a compounding pharmacist, we can go back up. Let's go back up to 20 milligrams where this individual was doing just fine. Then instead of dropping it down to 15 milligrams, we'll drop it down to 19 milligrams. And then 18 milligrams. And then 17 milligrams. And we'll do it gradually. If it takes two months, that's what we do. But we want to make sure that when we're going through this process that we are not subjecting the patient to a harmful situation where suddenly they want to go back up to the 30 milligrams and forget about it. In other words, what we're trying to do is bring to bring patients down from their medications in a manner so that their bodies don't even notice it. Now we can do this with the patient knowing what we're doing, but in the past what we've done is use um, a cocktail. So the patient really doesn't know what they're getting. I remember one time we did this over a period of a year. We started out at a higher dose, and this, was a, this particular one was a liquid, so it was a higher dose. So this patient would come into the pharmacy every month and get their medications, but they didn't know what dose they were. But all the time we were lowering that dose gradually, and after a period of a little bit over a year, it was kind of interesting because the patient came in and says, okay, now, how much of this medication am I really taking at this point? And I'm, I said, I'm glad you asked me that because I was going to tell you that for the last month, you've been taking zero medication. You're off of it. You're free. You don't have to use it anymore. We don't have to do this anymore. So we were able to successfully get them off their medication, and they didn't even know that. So there are two approaches. We can either do it that way, or we can do it gradually, where they know exactly where they are. And it's not a problem if we get down to a certain stage or a certain dosage level, and we have to increase it a little bit. But we don't want to make big adjustments. We want to make small adjustments. And I've talked to doctors about this. And I, I tell the doctor that their patient wants to come off of this very gradually. I've talked, to, I've talked to doctors about having their patient come off of this. And, and the doctor's okay with this. But he, has no, he or she has no idea how to do it. And I say, okay, well, let me, let, me, let me write up a schedule. I'll send it over, and if it's okay with you, sign off on it, and we'll go ahead and do that. And if I have any problems, I'll let you know. Or if your patient has any problems, I'll let you know, because we're going to monitor this very, very carefully over the next year. And the doctor usually says, oh, okay, that's fine, because, and I may ask, does that sound okay? Does that sound reasonable? And the doctor may say, yeah, I don't, I don't know. We've never done this before. But I can tell you that we've had really good success 
bringing people down off their medications over a longer period of time than the dosages um, are commercially available. By way then of clarification, Randy Mincer is a compounding pharmacist, not just a regular pharmacist. So if you're interested in getting more information about how to wean off any particular medication you might be on, the kind of individual that would be good to consult with, with would be either Randy himself or a compounding pharmacist that practices uh, somewhere locally in your same area. I have a question from a listener who asks, where can you get a reliable source of CoQ10? First of all, I think it would be easier to answer, where do you get it first? I would suggest that you get it from a company, a professional nutraceutical company, such as Thorne, that's T-H-O-R-N-E, manufacturing, and, and they're in Sandpoint, Idaho. We've been dealing with Thorne for a number of years. We feel that the quality of Thorne is very, very good. And I'm very comfortable because I use those products myself. So that it doesn't matter what I use, but I'm very comfortable in recommending it. This is a company that's been around for a long time. I can call Thorne and say, could you send me a certificate of analysis for this CoQ10? And by golly, they do it, and I have it quickly. So I know exactly what's in it, where it comes from, and so on and so forth. Now, there was a time in the last four or five months where there's been a shortage of coenzyme Q10. Thorne did not have it for a while. The reason why they didn't have it is because when they get a batch of coenzyme Q10 in, it goes directly to an area that is quarantined. And then they use their own analytical analysis to make sure that the quality is exactly where they want it. And if it's not exactly what they want, then they will reject it. Now, here's what happens with a lot of companies. Let's say company A gets 10 batches in, and they will analyze one of those batches. And if one of those batches is not up to standard, then they reject it. But if the batch is okay, they will accept it. Thorne does it a little bit differently. They check each batch, every single batch, because what happened recently was nine of the batches were okay, but the tenth one was not. So they rejected the whole thing. So that's one reason why I like Thorne products, is because they are meticulous with the raw materials. So what is the function of coenzyme Q10? Well, if I could just paint a mind picture of how this works so that you can understand it. Um, if we take a look at our cells, every single cell in your body requires coenzyme Q10. And the reason why it requires coenzyme Q10, if you look at every cell of the body and every living organism the primary goal is to stay alive. In order to stay alive, you need to have a source of energy. So we eat vegetables and we eat uh, 
proteins and fats and so on and so forth, and our body breaks that down into something more simple so your body can make something more complex. So it goes, for, for example, you, you could go from protein down to amino acids and your body makes other proteins. In the case of a cell, in every single cell, there's an organelle called the mitochondria. One of the functions of the mitochondria is to create something called ATP. That stands for adenosine triphosphate. It has three phosphates. So it has to make ATP. So where does it get its raw material? One of the limiting factors of this raw material is coenzyme Q10. It takes coenzyme Q10, it takes um, ribose, it takes magnesium and selenium, and it makes takes all of those things into the mitochondria, and it makes ATP. And so when the cell needs energy, it breaks one of those phosphate bonds. If it breaks a phosphate bond, it creates a spark of energy. And that's the role of coenzyme Q10. It is a raw material for the mitochondria to make ATP. So when the cell needs energy, it breaks one of those phosphate bonds and it creates a spark of energy. One of the things that I have a big problem with, with these cholesterol-lowering agents called statins, is that let's say for, the, for, for a moment that statin drugs reduce cholesterol, and let's say for the moment that lowering cholesterol is beneficial. So that's a good thing. But those statin drugs do something else because they deplete coenzyme Q10. So the statin drugs lower cholesterol, and we think that uh, that's, a, that's a good thing because it reduces the risk for cardiovascular disease. But it also sucks out coenzyme Q10. And if we have a deficiency of coenzyme Q10, what do you get? You get cardiovascular disease. So why would you take a drug that reduces the, the risk for cardiovascular disease and not take coenzyme Q10? Because if you don't take coenzyme Q10, it's going to increase your risk for cardiovascular disease. So why do it? But that's the, that is the, the role that coenzyme Q10 has in every single cell of your body. And if it doesn't have enough coenzyme Q10, it not only increases the risk for cardiovascular disease, but you don't get the energy production that you normally would. So people are going to be tired. And that's one of the side effects of statin drugs. Once, once the coenzyme Q10 is depleted, you're going to be tired. You're going to be very tired all the time. Parkinson's recovery is going on a seven-day cruise to Alaska, departing from Seattle on May the 3rd. We have 40 individuals who have fully paid and are committed to take this journey with us at Parkinson's Recovery. The room that we will be providing the experiences uh, at uh, holds 60 individuals, so there are still about 20 slots left for individuals to participate in all of our free experiences. It will be a truly transformative experience, 
And the goal is for everyone who joins us on our cruise to Alaska, at the end, you will have identified incredible therapies and ways to get sustained relief from the symptoms of Parkinson's. What is the use and effect of alpha-lipoic acid for people with Parkinson's? Alpha-lipoic acid is an antioxidant that is specific for people who have circulatory problems. I'm kind of assuming that that's the reason why somebody with Parkinson's disease might take alpha-lipoic acid. And it could be that if the patient who has Parkinson's disease also has diabetes, that they would take alpha-lipoic acid because it's good for something called peripheral neuropathy. I'm not sure how that affects uh, Parkinson's patients, but uh, if there's a diabetic component or a problem with um, glucose metabolism, uh, alpha-lipoic acid might be something to consider. What role does vitamin D play for individuals who have the symptoms of Parkinson's? I'm not exactly sure what role vitamin D plays in Parkinson's disease, but recent studies have shown that vitamin D deficiency is associated with Parkinson's disease. Now, I want to differentiate here between two types of vitamin D. The vitamin D that we're talking about is something called vitamin D3. There's also vitamin D2. The vitamin D that we're interested in is vitamin D3, and that's called the sunshine vitamin. And what happens when we go out in the sun, the ultraviolet rays of the sun react with cholesterol in the skin to make vitamin D3. The name for vitamin D3 is cholecalciferol. Vitamin D2, which is found fortified in foods, is not the same thing. Vitamin D2 is when you take fungus, and it doesn't have cholesterol in its membrane. It has something called ergosterol, and you radiate it, and you make vitamin D2, which, which is also called ergocalciferol, and you can get too much vitamin D2. So you need to re be able to read labels. If you look at milk, for example, or bread, and the label says vitamin D, and it doesn't differentiate between vitamin D2 and vitamin D3, it's probably vitamin D2. So make sure you read the labels. Vitamin D3 is what we want. That is the vitamin D that is natural to our bodies. Vitamin D2 comes with side effects that we don't like, and it's not very effective. Vitamin D3 does not have the side effects, and you can get a lot of vitamin D3 and have it be very, very beneficial for the patient. I'm not sure what the role of vitamin D3 has to do with Parkinson's, except that vitamin D3 has been associated with Parkinson's when we don't have uh, enough vitamin D3. And if we look at latitudes, countries that are close to the North Pole, there's more Parkinson's disease. There's more of some of these other 
chronic degenerative diseases, and there's also more patients who have low vitamin D3 levels than if you live closer to the equator. Do you have any challenges with your vision? Do you have dry eyes, double vision, jittery eye? Do you have the onset of cataracts? I want everybody, if you have any eye problems, to be sure and listen to my interview with Jennifer Jones, who talks about a eye drop, it's called Can-C, that everything I can determine is the real thing. This is a natural antioxidant that enables the eye to actually heal problems like cataracts, double vision, dry eyes, any kind of difficulty with the eye is typically associated with an inflammation challenge. So that interview is uh, up on the Blog Talk Radio website, and it was aired on February the 11th. If you have eye problems, be sure to listen to that because it is a way to potentially avoid cataract surgery and also reverse cataracts. What about omega-3, 6, and 9 that are plant-based that might have some positive influence on the symptoms of Parkinson's? Well, the question about omega-3, 6, and 9 plant-based is, is kind of interesting because this is coming from a patient who has Parkinson's disease, and they're using this as a supplement. Now, here's, here's my take on this. The omega-3s are anti-inflammatory, so that's a good thing. The omega-6s cause inflammation, so that's not a good thing. So I would not suggest taking omega-3s and 6s. The omega-9 is also kind of an inflammatory part of this mix, but it kind of neutralizes a little bit the omega-6s. But I think that uh, the other thing is that it's plant-based. And why are you taking omega-3, 6, and 9 that's plant-based? Because... My preferred omega-3s are fish, not plant. And in fish omega-3s, you have, you have two different types of omega-3s. One is called EPA. I will not even begin to, to go through that long chemical name. So one is EPA and the other is DHA. Now, EPA is really essential and it is converted to DHA, your body does not effectively convert it from EPA to DHA. DHA is an important neurotransmitter in the brain. Plant-based omega-3s do not have DHA. The only place you get DHA is through fish or krill. And krill is a little animal. So if you're trying to be a vegetarian and taking these three, I think that uh, you should reconsider and take the omega-3s and get both the EPA and the DHA together. And I think that that will be more effective in reducing inflammation. You know, all of these chronic degenerative diseases are caused or have some sort of an original point which is an inflammatory process. The, it begins an inflammatory process that continues throughout. Whether it's Parkinson's disease or autism or 
heart disease or diabetes or whatever. They all start when an event takes place and that event sets off an inflammatory reaction and that inflammatory reaction continues until you have a full-blown disease. People don't realize this, but if, you're Parkin, if, you, if you have Parkinson's disease or if you have heart disease or diabetes, you don't wake up one day and have these diseases. Sometimes they started many years before. And this is a slow, progressive disease. And it, t it may take 5, 10, 15, 20 years before you wake up one day and you have symptoms. So it didn't start that day. It started many years before. So any time that you can take natural anti-inflammatories like coenzyme Q10 or omega-3s or alpha-lipoic acid or any number of natural anti-inflammatories, it should be very, very beneficial no matter what disease you have. I'm Robert Rogers from Parkinson's Recovery. You are listening to compounding pharmacist Randy Menser. Answer questions that have been submitted by listeners. My husband takes Verilactin, which contains Mucuna purines. It's apparently 500 milligrams. Any comments about this as a therapy for her husband who has Parkinson's? Actually, the Mucuna does have L-DOPA in it. It's a non-prescription supplement. We attended a Parkinson's recovery symposium several months ago, and we asked the audience how many people were taking this, and about half of them were taking it, and probably about half of them said it worked really well, and the other half said it didn't work so well. But what it has is, is L-DOPA in it. Many people with the symptoms of Parkinson's report to me that they've had some heavy metal tests and those tests reveal that they have high concentrations of mercury. What recommendations would you have for chelation approaches that would help uh, remove mercury from the cells of their body? The person who asked this question uh, mentioned that her husband was on uh, chelation therapy with raw food and green juices. So my question to back to them would be, what was in the raw food? And what was in the juices? Because to chelate out mercury, chelation itself means claw. It means to grab a hold of and pull out of. If you're exposed to mercury, whether you've eaten something that has mercury in it or some other type of exposure and mercury gets in the blood, it can travel from the blood into the cell. Once it gets into the cell, you have an enzyme called catalase which puts a charge on it. So the mercury cannot get out of the cell. This is very dangerous and it's very bad for you. And it makes people sick. So to chelate mercury out, you have to have an agent that is going to get into the blood, maybe a supplement, get into the cell, change the charge, and then let the mercury flow back out into the blood again. Now that process itself may cause the, pe the person to be quite sick for a long period of time, even a year. Once that chelation process is finished, once you get the mercury out of the cell into the blood, then you've got to get it out of the blood into the wastebasket. 
once that mercury is out of the blood, out of your body, people tell me that they feel very, very good. But I guess I would have to ask, what was in the raw food and what was in the green juices that would chelate out mercury? Unless you were eating garlic or something like garlic, and I can't imagine putting that into a drink, but uh, we did talk about green juices, but garlic isn't exactly green. But cilantro might be something to consider when you're chelating out uh, mercury. But other than that, uh, you need something like EDTA or one of the chemicals that will pull it out. Chelating out mercury and other heavy toxic metals is very, very important. So my other question would be, he was diagnosed, and then they did a blood test on heavy metals, which will measure the amount of heavy metals at any one given moment. But perhaps... It might be a good idea to do a hair analysis because if you do a hair analysis, that gives you an average of the metal that's been in your body for the last six weeks. So that might be an important diagnostic um, tool to look at as well. My program today obviously involves putting supplements and medications directly into your body. My program last week involved a very, very different therapy, a, a totally new and innovative therapy called vibroacoustic therapy. It involves listening to sounds through headphones and at the same time vibrating all the tissues in your body to literally the tones and vibrations of the music. I think it's a, an amazing discovery and people who've been using this who had the symptoms of Parkinson's are getting absolutely incredible relief. I mean, I just want to say it's unbelievable. So I have actually worked with the company to configure the uh, the, the music CDs, the vibroacoustic CDs, uh, so that people can actually give this a try who have the symptoms of Parkinson's. And the best deal is the company has a 30-day, a 100% uh, money-back guarantee. So it's something you can try. It uh, is going to uh, help in the very beginning, but if it doesn't do what you need it to do, you can just send it back. It's absolutely, from what I can tell, from all the uh, evidence that I've collected, it's an amazing discovery that has literally just emerged. I mean, they've literally just invented this. So be sure to listen to that program. It's from last week, March the 4th. Many people ask me the question, how can I determine what heavy metals or other noxious substances may be in my system? Is there a particular diagnostic test that you recommend or that you use for your patients that uh, helps reveal what types of problems uh, may be present in a person's body with regard to heavy metals? There is a panel that you can use, and that panel is provided by a company called Doctors Data. And I think you can go online, drdata.com, and find out if there's a practitioner near where you live that provides that service. And if not, you could probably get it directly from Doctors Data, but you would probably have to have a doctor's uh, prescription for it. Or if you want to, you can email me at randyrphconsulting at gmail.com. That's r-a-n-d-y-r-p-h-consulting at gmail.com. And I can direct you to a local pharmacy here who can provide that service for you.
My husband, Alex, has been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease almost five years ago. His main symptoms are tremor of both hands, a slight tremor of his left leg, and slowness. He is not on medications. He is taking CoQ10, vitamin E, D, E, alpha-lipoic acid, NADH, omega-3, 6, 9, plant-based, N-acetylcarnosine, B vitamins, NAC, sustain. Recently, he started to take Viralactin, which contains mucurin purines, 500 milligrams. He also contains, he also consumes green drinks, wheat grass juice, and frozen algae. When he's been diagnosed, we did blood tests on heavy metals, and his mercury was on high, normal, borderline. So we went to Hippocrates Health Institute in West Palm Beach, Florida, where he has had natural chelation therapy with raw food and green juices. We go to Hippocrates Center every year for two to three weeks. My husband walks every day for three to four miles, two to three times a week. He goes to the gym and he does weights. Uh, once a month he goes to a chiropractor. Every two weeks he does acupuncture. Any overall comments about this particular uh, therapy protocol? Well, I do have a couple of comments. The first comment was that you mentioned he is not on medications. Actually, the mucuna is a medication. It's L-DOPA. L-DOPA is used for Parkinson's disease. So even though it's not a prescription medication, it is certainly a medication. The second thing that I wanted to talk to you about is something called NADH. I'm not sure what the strength is of the NADH, but NADH is very valuable. So let me explain something again to give you some sort of a mind picture of what is happening. Folks who have Parkinson's disease do not have enough of a substance called L-DOPA. So to, in order to relieve symptoms of Parkinson's disease, you have to find a way to increase the amount of L-DOPA. In, our, in order to understand this a little bit more fully, I have to explain a pathway. That pathway is in your brain. There's a, there is an amino acid called L-phenylalanine, which crosses over into the brain, and your brain takes phenylalanine and makes another amino acid called tyrosine. Now, tyrosine is very interesting because you can derive a number of things from tyrosine, including thyroid, including melatonin, serotonin. And you go down a different pathway, tyrosine is converted into something called L-DOPA, which is then converted to dopamine. And it's dopamine that is actually uh, the problem with Parkinson's disease. So in order to increase dopamine levels, you have to increase L-DOPA levels. In order to increase L-DOPA levels, you can take supplements that have L-DOPA in it, like the Mucuna, or you can take the prescription L-DOPA drugs that are available. But there may be possibly another way to increase L-DOPA le levels, if you have enough tyrosine 
and tyrosine is turned into L-dopa and you don't have enough L-dopa, that means that the conversion of tyrosine into L-dopa, there's a problem there. That problem may be not enough of, of another substance called NADH. NADH is a coenzyme. And so NADH is needed to convert tyrosine into L-dopa. L-dopa is needed to convert into dopamine. So you can take a supplement called NADH, which will increase the levels of L-dopa as well as supplementing with L-dopa, the same stuff that's in Makuna. So in this particular case, the patient is taking not only Makuna, but also NADH, and I think that's a good idea. The question that I have backwards is how much NADH are you taking? Typically, NADH is available in 2.5 and 5 milligram tablets over the counter, but sometimes you're going to need a lot more NADH per day to do the job that you're looking for. Now, as far as the protocol goes, I don't see any problem with the protocol. You're not doing anything wrong. The, the supplements that you're taking are fine. They're not, they are not going to give you any trouble. I'm Robert Rogers from Parkinson's Recovery. You are listening to my interview with compounding pharmacist and nutritional counselor, Randy Menser. How do you deal with orthostatic hypotension? I take Florineff and Midodrine. I hate them. The side effects are horrendous. Well, that's really a very good question. Florineff has to do with your adrenal glands, so I think that there's something going on with your adrenal glands. The mitodrine, or mitodrine, depending on where you come from, is another agent that will help to increase blood pressure. Orthostatic hypotension means that if you're sitting down or if you're laying down and you get up suddenly, you have a dizzy spell. And it can be quite serious. And it's very, it is very serious, actually. So I guess my question would be is what's causing the hypotension? the orthostatic hypotension. Unless I know what's causing the orthostatic hypotension, then it's going to be really difficult to answer your question. So if we had more information, we might be able to answer your question more fully. The medications that you're taking, yes, they do have side effects. So if you want to get off of them, we have to get to the root of the, of the problem and try to figure out what's going on there. It might be something that we can help through nutrition or supplementation, but I'm not sure until we find out exactly what the cause is. We live in Brazil, and my mother, 81 years old, was recently diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. She has polycythemia vera 2. I would like to know if I can give her B2 vitamin, riboflavin, 20 milligrams three times daily with no risk of increase. Her hermatocrit, her actual level here is reported to be 46. I see no problem with giving uh, vitamin B2, uh, that's riboflavin, 20 milligrams three times a day. Actually, we have people who have migraine headaches. We give 400 milligrams daily to prevent migraines and 
400 milligrams up to three times a day uh, when people are in the process of going through a migraine or experiencing a migraine. So uh, vitamin B2, riboflavin, is a water-soluble vitamin. Your body does not store it, so I see no problems with it. I don't think it's going to affect the hematocrit at all. I'm about to uh, ask uh, Randy a question about chronic migraines. Uh, you may know people who have this problem. Take notes because his answer has the potential to help a great number of people. What would you recommend, Randy, for a person who has chronic migraines? Well, if you've ever had a migraine, and I've not, so I don't know how you feel when you have a migraine, but I know it's pretty horrible. I've talked to women who've been in bed for two or three days at a time, can't move, they're throwing up, and they're in excruciating pain. So what can you do for somebody who has migraine? Well, one of the things that you can do is use uh, riboflavin, which is vitamin B2, 400 milligrams a day to help prevent the migraines, and if you do get a migraine, it will reduce the intensity of the migraine. But if you do get the migraine, you can take 400 milligrams three times a day. I know this sounds like an awful lot, but the migraines are pretty bad from what I understand. And we've had great success by suggesting riboflavin to especially women who have, who have migraines. The other thing that we have found through experience is by using transdermal progesterone. That's natural bioidentical progesterone. And the way that works is I'll just tell you a little story here. I had a consultation with a lady. I went in and she was sitting there and I sat down and I knew she wasn't doing very well. And I asked her, how are you doing? And she says, I'm not doing very well. I said, why? She says, well, I'm starting to get a migraine. I started it when I was driving over here, and it's getting worse. I said, well, what do you normally do when you get a migraine? Well, I use Imitrex. I hate that, and I, I use pain medications, uh, narcotics and so on, Vicodin and so on and so forth. It kind of works, but usually yeah, it's it's miserable. And I said, well, why did you come in to see me? And she said, well, what do you think I came in here to see you for? I said, well, what do you do for your migraine? She says, don't you know? And I says, no, I don't know what you do for your migraine. She says, I use natural bioidentical progesterone in a cream, and I need some. <laughs> and I thought, well, how do you use it? She says, my migraine starting back here back behind my right ear, and what I do is I take the, the progesterone and I start rubbing it in there, and it comes up along my ear and settles in my right temple. And so I rub natural bioidentical progesterone all the way up and massage it into my right temple. I said, you're kidding. He, she says, you didn't know that? I said, no. I'm sorry, but I didn't know that. And she said, well, John Lee talks about it all the time. I said, well, okay, I'll be right back. So I went and grabbed a high dose of natural progesterone, transdermal cream, and brought a little bit out. I said, here. And she took it. She rubbed it into her neck, up around her ear, and into her temple. So we had our con 
consultation. And in five, maybe ten minutes, she says, my migraine's going away. And I was just flabbergasted that that progesterone works so quickly. And since that time, we've been using natural bioidentical progesterone to help ladies who have migraines because in this particular case, obviously, it was a hormone-related thing because progesterone has been a very valuable tool in helping these ladies function. And if they do get a migraine and they're using vitamin B2 and natural bioidentical progesterone, we find that it works fantastically well. I have been having uh, discussions over the past several months with a uh, Parkinson's recovery member who's been experiencing extreme weakness. And we talked back and forth about some uh, alternative therapies that he's been experimenting with to, uh, to, to give him relief. I received a call from him a couple of days ago with an exciting news. He said he'd found the solution. He'd figured out what could reverse his weakness. And as it turned out, the answer was the following. I simply have to eat something every two hours. What a simple solution to a problem that had obviously been almost debilitating for him. I asked him if it mattered what he ate, and his answer was, no, I just have to eat every two hours, and boy, does it make me feel differently. I am 55, recently diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, very mild and early. I have been taking PrimPro, point. 625 milligrams daily for 22 years since I went through menopause at age 33. I also have been taking armothyroid for four years. Do these drugs have an impact on my body doing the natural work it is supposed to do? Ideally, I'm wondering if I get my body back in balance if I would need these hormones. Could you please inform me or point me in the right direction? Usually when I talk to somebody about natural hormone replacement therapy, I'm talking to them for an hour, and and I do put classes on that are four hours long. So it's a little bit difficult for me to sit here and analyze your question in just a few minutes. But you said, do these drugs have an impact on my body doing the natural work it is supposed to do, ideally? Really? First of all, Premarin, Prempro has two drugs in it. One is called Premarin, and that comes for, that stands for pregnant mare's urine. It comes from pregnant mare's urine. The other one is Provera, which is a synthetic fake progesterone. These are both drugs. You might think you're taking hormone replacement therapy, but you're not. You're taking a substitution for hormone replacement therapy. And these are drugs. I cannot imagine why any company in their right mind would take the piss of a pregnant horse and put it into a pill and give it to a human being. You can answer this yourself. Does that make any sense whatsoever? Wouldn't it be better if we took the urine from a pregnant woman 
and put it in a pill and give it to another woman? That makes more sense than a horse because in horse urine you have something called conjugated estrogens. They are not natural to a human being. They are very, very detrimental. They cause all kinds of side effects. And yet Premarin and Prempro have been prescribed for close to 30 years. And at one time, they were the top most prescribed drugs in the universe. Thank goodness they're not now. People are starting to get the idea that maybe this is causing my breast cancer. Maybe it's causing my urine cancer. Maybe it's causing my blood to clot. Maybe this is why I'm getting depressed. Maybe this is why I can't sleep. Maybe this is why my breast hurts. This is not a good drug. There are natural alternatives, natural bioidentical estrogen, and natural bioidentical progesterone. If you want more information, you can email me at randyrphconsulting at gmail.com. I'd be glad to get together, talk to you, have a consultation, whatever you like. But as far as I'm concerned, and I don't care if the FDA doesn't like me, and I don't care if the Wyeth who makes Prempro doesn't like me, they're poisons. I don't care. A poison is a poison. Why wouldn't you take something that is bioidentical and natural to your body? That's natural. Now, as far as the armor thyroid goes, you may not be aware that this is a combination of something called T3 and T4 and a couple other T's as well. But that's not natural because it comes from a pig. The T4 and the T3 are the same as the T4 and T3 in our bodies, but when you process the uh, thyroid from a pig, you're also processing the, the, the impurities in that pig thyroid as well. So we found that there's another option as, as well in, in making T4 and T3 separate from the armor thyroid. People come in and say, I'm taking natural thyroid and that's what I want to do. Well, it's natural for a pig. It's not natural for a human being. And when you look at Premarin and Provera, not, not Provera, but the Premarin, it will state on the on the label that this is a natural source of of estrogen. It is, yes. It's natural to a horse. It's not natural to a human being. So if you would like to talk more, let me know. You're wondering if you can get your body back into balance? Absolutely. You can get your body back to balance in balance and you can feel better. Because I suspect that there are some things that you're not feeling very good about yourself and and you don't even know that it's caused by the drugs you're taking. So we can help. It has now been about four years since I launched uh, my own investigation into therapies that are making a difference for individuals who had the symptoms of Parkinson's. And one of the factors at the foundation of what is triggering symptoms winds up being dehydration in the body. 
naturopath Dr. John Coleman, who himself had Parkinson's in the mid-90s and has now fully recovered or at least is symptom-free, reports that 90, or I guess I think he said 60% of the uh, reason why he was able to recover, he attributes to being able to hydrate his body. In other words, drink water and have that water get down to the level of the cells. Uh, John Coleman recommends a homeopathic remedy that is called the aquas, and uh, there is a mechanism that's available for individuals who live in the West to be able to uh, try the aquas. Information is at www.aquas.us. I take Azalac, and I'm interested in knowing the side effects and any known weird stuff. I guess that my 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 first answer to that, if you're taking any drug, you might experience some weird stuff. But as far as Azalec goes, I'm just going to read you a couple of the side effects of Azalec. The first one I'm going to mention is depression. And what they do when they do research and development of these drugs is they compare it with a placebo. What I'd like them to do is compare it with another drug. But no, they choose to do a placebo. So, for example, 5% of patients taking Azelect might experience depression. And when you compare that with a placebo, 2% get depression. So what I want to talk to you about is how in the world could you take a placebo and have 2% getting depression who never had it before? And you think um, you're looking at this chart and it says depression 5% for people taking Azelect and 2% on placebo. That's only a difference of 3%. But actually it's twice as much. 5% is more than twice as much as 2%. So my question is, if you take a drug and you compare it with a placebo, what is actually in the placebo? You might say, well, there's nothing in the placebo. Well, there's got to be something in the placebo. They don't give you an empty capsule. There's some white stuff in there. And it's a good idea to find out what is that white stuff. And we're all assuming that that white stuff is something that's inert. It's not active. But that may not always be the case. There could be something called NutraSweet in there. Does NutraSweet cause depression? Yeah. So you're really not comparing Azalet with placebo. You're comparing Azalet with something that might have, and I'm just saying this as a general discussion, might have something like NutraSweet in it. Does that change the results of these um, uh, these side effects? Well, I think it does, because when you look at that, then you think, oh, my gosh, that's not so bad. 5% isn't so bad, because when other people take uh, as a let or as as a placebo, and two percent get it. You look at headache, for example. Uh, as a let, fourteen 
14% of the people who take Aslet get headaches. 12% get a placebo. How in the world could 12% of the, the people in this test who are not taking anything, a placebo, get a headache? And, and I can go down here and, and look at these side effects and think, wow, this is really interesting. It becomes more interesting when you realize that maybe there really is something in those placebos. So I have a tendency to just look at the percentage of people getting the side effects and forget about the placebo, unless I know exactly what the placebo is. You know, we might have one company that uses sugar as a placebo. We might use, uh, another company might use cornstarch. Another company might use something else. We don't know what that placebo is. And for some people, placebos might be okay, and for other people, placebos not, may not be okay. I think that they should do a study on different kinds of placebos. Wouldn't that be cool? So, yes, you can get some uh, side effects. You can, it can upset your stomach. It can cause you muscle pains. Um, it can make your nose run. Uh, it can cause uh, irritation of the eyes. It can give you a fever. You can get flu symptoms, neck pain. There's all kinds of things that could happen when you're taking this. And keep in mind that every single FDA-approved prescription drug also has an FDA-approved side effect. What do you say to persons like me who have been ingesting and inhaling all kinds of toxic chemicals, both in the lab and plants? Fortunately, stop now since I have retired. This person is a chemical technologist working in the area of novel organic synthetic methodologies. Colorants for plastics, dye stuffs, dye stuff, intermediates, and many of them are carcinogenic. And industrial were important for our organic intermediates. So the question asked here is, how do you detoxify a bloke like me? I'm eagerly waiting your directions. Well, I think that this is a very interesting and very complex uh, question. There's no question in my mind that you have not been exposed to or that you have been exposed to toxic chemicals. But what we have to do first is find out what chemicals are actually in your body. They may be different than what you think they are, and they may be metabolites of something that you've been working with, but we don't know that. So before we can detoxify your, your body, we need to find out what is it we're detoxifying. I'll give you an example. Several years ago, we had a gentleman who came into our pharmacy, and he was convinced that he had brilliosis. In other words, that, that he had toxic, toxic amounts of beryllium in his system, and he was on the verge of suing the state and the company that he worked for because he just was absolutely positively sure that he had too much beryllium, that he had been tested several times, and, and all the fingers pointed at beryllium toxicity. 
And so we talked on a number of occasions, and I said, you know, we can probably find out if you have too much beryllium in your system, and we can do a hair analysis. So he said, fine, that sounds great. So we did a hair analysis, and we got it back, and guess what? His beryllium levels were normal, but his cadmium levels were sky high. And he said, well, this doesn't make any sense. Why would my cadmium levels be sky high? And I noticed previously that he was a smoker, and I told him that he's getting cadmium from the cigarettes. Actually, not the cigarettes, but the cigarette paper. And what they do is, if you, if you can imagine tobacco burning at a certain rate, which is different from the paper burning at a different rate. So the paper burns at one rate and the tobacco burns at another rate. So what they have to do is put cadmium in the paper so that the paper in the cigarette burns at the same rate as the tobacco. He didn't have an overexposure to beryllium. He had an overexposure to cadmium. And cadmium is a very, very serious and toxic drug. I told him to stop smoking, and I think he'll pro his problems will go away. This is Parkinson's Recovery. I'm Robert Rogers. You're listening to compounding pharmacist and nutritional counselor Randy Menser answer questions that have been submitted by listeners. What is your understanding about melatonin? My husband gave me one to cure my nightmares. The next day in the afternoon, I was having lots of dyskinesia and spaciness, sure signs of dopamine overload. I skipped the last dose of Cinemet, though I kept on with the Meripax, withdrawal from which is tough. Although I am up at 3.30 in the morning as usual, I still have a little dyskinesia, but I am told no nightmares. Is it possible that the melatonin stimulated natural dopamine? I don't think that the excess melatonin might have stimulated excess amounts of L-DOPA in the normal sense that you would think. But let me go back and go through this pathway once again. Your brain takes phenylalanine, which is an amino acid, turns that into tyrosine. Tyrosine is the key here. Tyrosine can go down several different pathways. One pathway, it goes to, to the thyroid. One pathway, it's turned into L-DOPA and then dopamine. Another pathway, it's turned into an amino acid called L-tryptophan, which is then turned into 5-hydroxytryptophan, which is then turned into serotonin, which is then turned into to, to melatonin. So if you take melatonin, what your body might be looking at is, we have plenty of melatonin now. This is a biofeedback problem. So we have plenty of melatonin. Serotonin levels are okay. The 5-hydroxytryptophan is okay, and, and the tryptophan is okay. So our body's telling us that 
what we'll do is we'll take all of that tyrosine and turn it into L-DOPA, which then in turns into dopamine. So I think that that may be the reason. So instead of going down those three pathways, it's looking down the, the one pathway, the pathway to melatonin, and say, we've got plenty. We don't need to make any more. So I'm going to take what I have and just make more L-DOPA, which might possibly be a good idea for Parkinson's patients to take uh, melatonin to increase the levels of L-DOPA. And it might also be an idea to make sure that you check your thyroid levels to see what's happening there. And if you're going to test your thyroid levels, it would be a good idea to test for TSH, free, that's F-R-E-E, T3, free T4, and reverse T3. That's really important. And test for antithyroid antibodies. This is kind of an interesting and very complex question because melatonin, to my knowledge, does not take care of nightmares. Uh, that might have possibly been a coincidence, but it's hard to say unless we did studies on it. So, if you want to be involved with a double-blind crossover study, that might be something to, to be interested in. Randy, how do people, again, get in touch with you? Probably the best way to get in touch with me is, is uh, by emailing me at randyrph consulting at gmail.com. Is there a telephone number that people can call? You can call and leave a message. Um, my telephone number here is 360-259-3502. Chances are you'll get my answering machine and you can leave a message and I'll get back with you within, say, 24 hours. If a person would like to have a full analysis of all the medications and supplements and also in conjunction with the food that they take, is that something you also can do for someone? I do do consultations on an individual basis, so if you're interested, uh, give us a call or email us. It's probably better to email us with your request, and I can assess that very quickly and send you some, you know, some forms to fill out and uh, with their prices and so on and so forth. So uh, if that's something that interests you, be glad to talk to you about it. People who might in particular be most interested in uh, getting your uh, consultation services would be individuals perhaps that are taking two or more prescription medications and uh, might be worried about uh, the possibility there could be some interactions uh, occurring uh, or some, um, some de depletions perhaps in the body. Is that right? That's absolutely correct, Robert. Uh, we do lots of consultations for uh, men and women who have hormonal imbalances. We do consultations on people who are taking too many medications and they would like to get off of them. Uh, we're dealing with people who have side effects. We're dealing with people who have drug-drug interactions. We're dealing with people who have drug uh, nutrient depletions. Now that's a big deal, but nobody's talking about. So if you're interested in any of those, um, let me know. And I, I, I would also say and ask you the question. Do you know what the number one killer of Americans is today? 
the number one killer of Americans today is heart disease. Do you know what the number two killer of Americans is today? The number two killer of Americans today is cancer. How about the number three killer of Americans today? What's the number three killer of Americans today? The number three killer of Americans today is diabetes. And what about the number four killer of Americans today? Well, the number four killer of Americans today is FDA-approved prescription drugs, killing over 100,000 Americans every year. Now, let me put it this way. You don't wake up one day and say, I've got cancer or I have heart disease. Like I said before, these chronic degenerative diseases start sometimes years before you get any symptoms. By the time you get symptoms and you're diagnosed, your body is well aware of this and you're on your way to fighting a war inside of your body. So how would they treat the number one killer of Americans today in your body? Or how would they treat the number two killer of Americans in your body today? Or how would they treat the number three killer of Americans today if you have those diseases? They would treat you with the number four killer of Americans today. How ironic is that? One of the problems that I know people can, can potentially confront is the possibility that while a person may be taking five prescription medications and be aware of all of the side effects that are associated with each of those medications taken independently, there's also a strong possibility that those uh, medications, when taken together, may be creating even other and even more dangerous side effects that aren't really a part of any particular report. Uh, so is it the case that when a person is taking, let's say, five pr prescription medications, that there may be a danger that really is not even evident when they read the prescription uh, information about side effects? This phenomenon is called polypharmacy. When you're taking multiple drugs, have multiple doctors going to multiple pharmacies or some sort of combination like that. And yes, you take one medication... It makes you sick. So the prescriber will prescribe another medication to take care of the side effect of that medication. Then you have two medications, and that second medication might be making you sick in another area. Maybe, let's say it's causing anxiety. Before you know it, you're taking an anti-anxiety drug. And let's say that you're taking an anti-anxiety drug and it's causing um, feebleness. And you think, oh, I've got to go back to the doctor because I can't, I can't think. I I'm, I'm, I'm just really feel crazy. And you go back to the doctor and suddenly you're on four different drugs. If you're taking five drugs, five FDA-approved prescription drugs. There's almost a 100% chance that there's some sort of an interaction going on. So you might go to your healthcare provider and get a prescription for one thing and think that's going to take care of it, but it doesn't. What It may take care of the initial problem, but it creates another problem. 
you go back and you get another prescription. Before you know it, you're walking around five or six or ten or or I've seen people taking 15 or 20 different kind of medications a day. And then you add that to supplements. I've seen people taking 10, 15, 20 different supplements a day. One person was taking 70. Go insane right or we can go insane left. It doesn't matter. You can take too many drugs. You can take too many supplements you can probably drink too much water, but it all causes some problems that you should be aware of. Is there anything else that you'd like to uh, say to individuals who have the symptoms of Parkinson's with regard to what they might consider doing to help them get relief? That, to me, is a very complex question. I'm a pharmacist. I'm not a doctor, so I don't diagnose <clears throat> and I don't write prescriptions. I think that uh, the most important thing that you could do is get educated, get a Ph.D. in Parkinson's disease, study all the options, study the drugs that are available, look into the natural products, the herbs, the minerals, the, and, and, and do whatever you can. Make sure you're eating organic whole foods that are not processed, uh, eat the eat and drink the right things. Exercise properly. Get enough sleep. That's really important. Those are the things that I would suggest. Those are the things that you probably are already aware of. Randy, thanks so much for being with us today and answering these many, many questions from listeners. Well, thank you very much, Robert. It's been a pleasure talking to you. I hope that uh, if any of you, if, if there's any any way that I can help you in any way, please let me know. And uh, I hope you all have a great day. The mission of Parkinson's Recovery is to document what people are doing to get relief from their symptoms. I strongly believe that there isn't a holy grail out there. There isn't one big solution that everybody is going to find is going to give them total relief or help them become symptom-free. It's just not going to happen. But what is happening now, what is happening today is people are discovering therapies, approaches, ideas that are helping them get profound and sustained relief from their symptoms. If you are such a person, let me know what you are doing. Let me know what therapies you've tried. Even let me know what therapies you've tried that aren't helping. My job is to document all of that so that we can get the word out and we can let millions of people know who have the neurological challenges of Parkinson's that there are many therapies that are making a huge difference to helping people reclaim their life force. You can email me at any time, Robert at parkinsonsrecovery.com or you can call at the toll-free number which is 1-877-526-4646. You can get uh, email newsletters from me at any time. They're, of course, free by simply entering your email address on my main website. That's parkinsonsrecovery.com. Everyone, again, is invited to consider coming and joining us on our cruise to Alaska. Parkinson's Recovery is also scheduled to be on Vancouver Island to do our two-day Jumpstart to Wellness event uh, on March the 25th and March the 26th. 
Uh, call me anytime. Again, that telephone number is 877-526-4646. I don't always, of course, answer the phone directly, uh, but I promise that I will call you back. And that's what's happening on the shores of the Puget Sound, where all the women are smart, all the men are handsome, and all the children are truly loved. Know that you are on the road to recovery. Good day.